You can find in your Bibles, please, this morning, Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, and you can mark that, and we're going to look at that here in a minute. We're on a series on blessing. How God desires to bless you, your family, your church. Now, this morning I noticed we have quite a few people gone, so I'm probably not going to give it all to you today. But I want you to listen carefully what I have to say. The things that I share with you in the next few weeks are very important. And I want to make sure that you don't leave here under condemnation. I want to preach the word to you. Sometimes the word, you know, really brings joy and peace. But a lot of times if we allow it, it'll bring correction. So we're in a season of correction. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I'm not saying you're doing anything wrong or I'm doing anything wrong. But what I say this morning, what I share with you is, is, is vital. And so I take this time to introduce what I'm about to say to you so you understand that. Now, every time you come here, you should listen. <clears throat> but sometimes we can daydream. And we can be easily distracted. So, I believe I have your attention. Amen? God desires to bless his people. His blessings are spiritual and physical blessings. Amen? The blessings of God are conditional. Now, this is what we're going to be getting into. And it's the power. Everyone say power. Of the spoken blessing. Say power of the spoken, (coughs) excuse me, blessing. The Jewish people understand the importance of the spoken blessing. Predominantly, the church or the body of the Lord Jesus Christ does not. We know how to pray, amen? But this is something I think that, that uh, in the days ahead, we need to rethink some things and renew our minds to the Word of God concerning this subject. And then we need to do it. The reason I said, and I prefaced what I said, because I don't want you to feel condemned, because many of us, including myself, and the church today, especially the faith, charismatics, full gospel people, you know, you can, I don't care if you're in a mainline denomination or you're in a full gospel church, you can get into a ditch. And we want to make sure everything we do, we stay where we need to be in the middle of the road, not get into a ditch. But I really believe that we as a body, and I believe the Spirit of God wants this to be said. We need to start 
using our mouths and our tongues properly. That's why I said I don't want you to leave here feeling condemned because <clears throat> I, I think it's safe to say everyone here in this room has not used their tongue properly. Majority of the time. Yeah, we, we do all right. But what I'm saying is, and this is what we're going to talk about, is your words. Now, the Jewish people understand the power of the verbal blessing. Therefore, it's been an important practice for them in everyday life for centuries. They believe the prophetic blessing will influence the destinies of their children, their grandchildren. So when they pray over their children and their grandchildren, they're expecting what they say to come to pass. They also believe that their words and their blessings can bring restoration and healing to their families, to their marriages, relationships. Amen? <clears throat> I want to read to you, and this, this gentleman is Jewish. He's a Messianic Jew, I believe, and I want to read to you... Um, a portion of this because it kind of gives you a perspective about the Jewish people. He says, let me tell you up front, <coughs> however, that I'm of Jewish descent. <coughs> I uncovered the ancient path of spoken blessing several years ago while visiting my family in Tel Aviv. One thing became clear as I observed the lifestyle of Jewish people Living in the Holy Land, they consistently speak words of blessing and affirmation to one another. <clears throat> See, today, <clears throat> usually we use the word bless when somebody sneezes. Bless you. And that's where it ends. Shouldn't, but that's the truth. He says that, the words they speak today are the same words they've spoken for thousands of years. God provided these ancient and powerful blessings and, and meant for all of Israel, including the church, to use them, along with many other appropriate words of blessing. <clears throat> Over the centuries, however, as many traditions were rejected or filtered out of practical application, the church has lost sight of this important action. Orthodox Jewish families, however, have not. He says, if you venture into the home of any Orthodox Jewish family anywhere in the world during a Friday evening Shabbat celebration, you will hear several blessings spoken by the parents. The father begins. After the meal is over, he calls his sons to his side, lays hands on their heads, and he proclaims a blessing. May you be like Ephraim and Manasseh. Ephraim and Manasseh, what is that all about? We will return to this blessing throughout our journey, but let me give you a brief background. Two sons were born to Joseph while he was in Egypt. Do you remember that? First son he named Manasseh, which means making forgetful. Joseph said, for God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. The second son he named Ephraim, which means fruitfulness. In choosing this name, Joseph said, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Did he go through some affliction? Joseph had been rejected by his father, 
and his brothers because of his prophetic dreams. In fact, the Bible says that his brothers could not speak a kind word to him. They sold him into slavery, and he spent the next 20 years as a slave and prisoner. Joseph gave his sons very significant names. He desired to forget all the pain and hatred he endured in his father's house, place it in his past, and bear fruit in his future. Later, when Joseph was restored to his father and his brothers, he brought the two boys to his father Jacob to bless. And here is the blessing pronounced by Jacob. So he blessed them that day, saying, By you, Israel will bless, saying, May God make you as Ephraim and Manasseh. Jacob was saying, All of Israel will bless her children with this blessing. May God cause you to forget the pain of your past and make you fruitful and prosperous in your future. Each father who continues this practice today is speaking by faith that his children will forget the pain of their past and bear fruit in their future. Is it any wonder that Jewish people... Now listen. Is it any wonder that Jewish people are the most fruitful people in the world? How many actors are Jewish? Many, many, many. There's a, Oh yeah, a lot. Did you know that? Yeah, a lot of Jewish actors. Very successful. How many people, Jews, have succeeded in business? A few. Yeah, a lot. So I'd say they were a blessed people. Okay. He says, um, <clears throat> the mothers in turn gather their daughters to them, lay their hands upon their head as they proclaim this blessing from Ruth. For the Lord make the woman who is coming to your house like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the house of Israel. And may you prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. After the children have been blessed, the husband will then bless his wife with the reading from Proverbs 31. Who can find a virtuous wife, for her worth is far more than rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. <clears throat> I can say that with my wife. I have no fear of not having money, because she's good at putting it away. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful, beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. When the husband is finished blessing his wife, she then blesses him with the words of Psalm 128. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house, your children like olive plants all around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you out of Zion, and may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yes, may you see your children's children. The closest we come, he, he talks about uh, in Christian circles, to walking the ancient path of verbal blessing is in some of the more traditional churches where at the close of the services, the priests or pastors still pray the Arianic blessing over their congregations. Kaylee, you've heard this before. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the way you should bless the children of Israel. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. Have you heard that before? Yes. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That's a wonderful blessing. 
So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. He says the Hebrew word for blessing is barak. It means to praise or to confer a blessing on on someone on the when, while they're on the bended knee. Okay. The other word is the the Greek word where we get the word eulogy or eulogize. When you go to a funeral, what do you do? You say something good usually about that person or something that blesses them. When God called Abraham, he said, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. You know it's hard to be a blessing unless you're blessed. So we need to be blessed as a church. Why? So God can use us to be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Remember that the word blessing means to speak well of another. So God was actually saying to Abraham, whoever confers a verbal blessing upon you, I will confer a verbal blessing upon him. Whoever speaks well of you, I will speak well of him. Later, God extended this principle to all of Abraham's children, whether descended from him, now listen, physically or spiritually. After providing the ram in the thicket for Abraham to sacrifice in substitution for his son Isaac, God said, in blessing I will bless you, and in multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. This verse makes it clear. As we bless others, so in turn God blesses us. And in addition, we're rewarded with the gates of our enemies. In my blessing of others, even those who have cursed me, is found my blessing. Most people today, if they're cursed, they don't want to return a blessing. Americans want to fight at the drop of a hat. You say something about me, you do something about me, you do something against my family, I'll get you. It's truth. That's contrary to Scripture, too. Now, there's no, you need to defend your family. And I will go to any means to defend my family and my people on my sheet. You understand that. You know that. But if somebody's coming against you, you're preaching the gospel, and they start coming against you, you know, you can get all riled up and get mad. It isn't going to accomplish anything. You need to take care of it in the spirit, and you need to just return a blessing. He said... Um, could it be that giving and receiving verbal blessing is God's way for his people, now listen, to counteract hell's counsels and reverse the flow of iniquity from generation to generation? Could it also be God's way of bringing wholeness, completion, and healing to those who never received the spoken blessing from those who should have blessed them? I believe so. He says, I'm convinced that throughout redemptive history, God has ordained that the verbal blessing be the key passageway that counters the effects of the curse of sin caused by the fall. The focus, he says, of our study will be one blessing that I call the forgotten blessing. Those words the patriarch Jacob spoke over his grandsons. So he blessed them that day, saying, by you Israel will bless, saying, May God make you as Ephraim and Manasseh. Manasseh. This is the pattern for the descendants of Abraham. It is the foundation for all of Israel's blessing. It is wonderful to consider that every member of the body of Christ who is not already of Jewish heritage, now listen, is supernaturally grafted into the family of Abraham. Do you know that? 
S. Supernaturally grafted into the family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So this blessing is meant for all of us as well. This is a way that Israel, that you and I, will bless and be blessed. It is the way that generations of verbal cursing will be eradicated. It is the way that we will find healing and restoration for ourselves and that the generations to come, our lives will be, never be the same. There are people in the world, that's all they know, because all they've been is cursed. All they have been is verbally abused. Some of you come from that background. That can all be changed with one thing. Your tongue. Now look at Mark 11. We're not going <clears> to <throat> get through all this today, and I'm not even going to try. And, but we are going to take our time because I, I want you to understand this principle. The spiritual law that's found in your words, what you speak. Mark 11, I was just listening to Dr. Hagen this week. One of the, I think one of the, the greatest teachers on faith, or one of the best. And he was, and he was praying one years and years and years ago. He was holding uh, services in a church, and he was fasting and praying. And he was done with the morning service, and he was down front on his knees praying. And God spoke to him about this scripture. And let me read it. He says. Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he, that he what? Says will be done, and he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Through the years, many people have taken that scripture out of context and put it here again, gone into a ditch. And that's sad. But what he basically was telling, God spoke and was supernatural that day when he was praying on his knees. He says, my people don't have any problem in believing me. The problem is in their saying what they speak. And he said, you're going to have to do twice as much teaching about the saying part as the believing part. And, you know, before we really delve into this blessing, this is why I want you to understand the importance of words. God has never done anything without what? Speaking it first. God's a faith God, and God releases his faith by his Words. There's a scripture, you don't need to turn there, Ephesians 5, 1, it says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. So if our God is a faith God and he releases his faith by his, what are we to imitate? Speaking. His words. What did Jesus speak to during the course of his Life, especially three years of ministry. What, what did he speak to? Give me something that he spoke to that brought. He spoke to a raging storm and the winds. 
He spoke to the fig tree. Good. How about the dead? Were the dead raised? How was it accomplished? By speaking his words. Okay. How about demons? Did he ever speak to a few devils? Sure he did. You've heard this before, but listen to it again. Words are containers. Everyone say that. Words are containers. They carry faith or fear. Now listen. And they produce after their own kind. Spoken words program your spirit either to success or defeat. How, you know, in, in our circle, in, in Harvest Church, in your faith churches, full gospel churches, what do we do when it, when it comes to babies? We dedicate them. My boys are, have been dedicated to the Lord. In fact, there's times I just remind God, we've dedicated these two to you. It shall come to pass. Now, they might be acting and talking and doing things contrary to what I prayed, but I prayed it. I believed it. That's why it's so important if you have a baby. The first thing you do is dedicate it to the Lord. And yes, it's good to bring it to the pastor and to the church. But you as a parent can hold that child up to God and speak a verbal blessing over them. God watches over His Word to perform it. That's why we it's so vital and so important as parents and grandparents... The words that we choose to speak over our children. I thought about this word to, this week. And, and listen, I, I, I say this again. I remind you, don't leave here feeling condemned because I tell you, everyone in this room has missed it. Except maybe Larry Nutter. I mean, everyone in this room, we've made mistakes. Have you ever made mistakes as a parent? Have you ever made mistakes as a grandparent? I thought about this word this week. I've thought about it every day. I'm not, I mean, I'm not condemned about it because when we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's under the blood. The mistakes we made in the past are under the blood. But if you were to ask me today, Pastor, do you have any regrets? I'd say yes. Do you want to know what my regrets are? And there could be many because I've made a lot of mistakes, I've done things wrong. But here are my regrets, folks. My regret is that I've spoken words to my wife that I should not have spoken. My regret is that I've spoken words to my children that I should not have spoken. I have a regret that I've spoken words to my congregation that I should not have spoken. I can't take them back. It's too late. They're out. 
Are you listening to me, dads? We raise our kids, and we've got a family. We joke all the time. In fact, if you'd hear us, you'd probably be appalled. Kenny has visited our home. He knows us. They say I'm too sensitive. I am. I'm a sensitive kind of guy, whether you think so or not. I am. And, you know, words can hurt you. You can joke around with people and not even realize you're hurting them. It's the truth. You can say things off the cuff and flippantly and just think, you know, if you can say, kid, you're stupid. Why'd you do such a stupid thing? You're an idiot. Years later, you'll say, son, let me tell you what my grandfather said about me. I was an idiot. I was stupid. I'd never amount to anything. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going off probably too far, but do you, are you getting what I'm saying to you today? Now, listen, yeah, I have regrets, but it, like I said, it's under the blood. We've all said things. Do you know there are sins of omission and sins of commission? What are sins of commission? Just blatant sin, just doing things. But there are sins, and I, I thought about this. There's, sin, there's a sin of omission. We, we can sin with our mouth and our words, can we not? Now listen to what I'm about to say. I believe you can sin when you don't say what you need to say that's good. So don't beat yourself up. Oh, I said this, I said that. Maybe you need to examine yourself to see if you're in the faith because maybe you should have said something you didn't. Maybe you should have given. Maybe I should have given a word of encouragement to someone. Instead, I thought, no, I don't need to do that. If you want scripture for that, to back that up, look up James 4.17. Now, Proverbs 6.2 says, you are snared by the words of your mouth, you are taken by the words of your mouth. Now, bottom line, we're, we're, we're leading into blessing, but how can you bless someone if you don't know the power of words? Your words will be empty containers. I want you to understand how important your words are. Proverbs 13.3, He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he opens wide his lips shall have destruction. Proverbs 18.21, Life and death are in the... And power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. The Message Bible says this, Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Let me say that again. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Let me read to you. So you don't need to turn there. I want to read to you from Matthew. Matthew chapter 12. But I'm going to read it to you from the Message Bible. Matthew chapter 12. 
If you grow a healthy tree, you'll pick healthy fruit. If you grow a diseased tree, you'll pick worm-eaten fruit. The fruit tells you about the tree. Can words help? Can you listen to somebody and can you kind of get an idea what they're like? <laughs> Jesus said, you have minds like a snake pit. How do you suppose what you say is worth anything when you're so foul-minded? It's your heart, not the dictionary, that gives meaning to your words. A good person produces good deeds and words season after season. An evil person is a blight on the orchard. Let me tell you something. Every one of these... Now listen. Every one of these careless words is going to come back to haunt you. There will be a time of reckoning. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can be your salvation. Words can also be your damnation. I, I pick on you, Ron, but you're a lawyer. How important are your words when you stand before a judge? Important. Are you getting the picture today? Look at Ephesians 4. I'm going to quit here in a minute. Ephesians chapter 4. Yeah, I have regrets of speaking the wrong words at the wrong time. <laughs> Talk about words. Yesterday they asked me, you'd be proud of me, to uh, announce at a ball game. And I didn't want to do it. I just didn't. Here I'm a preacher and I do it every week. Didn't want to do it. But I did it. And do you know what my greatest fear was? And yes, it was a concern that I would say the wrong thing. Did I? No, I didn't, thank God. Do I want to do it again? Not really. Words are important. Years ago, Kathy was at a ball game and her dad was at the mic. Now, I can't repeat what he said. I'll yeah, I can. I can do it this way, and you'll, you'll get it. They asked your dad to come and announce, and why? It was a tournament. A tournament? A lot of people? And you're out there, what'd you do wrong? You overthrew first base. And so Ralph on the speaker goes, you dumb! Get it? Do I have to explain it to you? All you carnal-minded people? All through that loudspeaker came, you dumb? They loved it. It's Monroe. Small town. Rough town. Did it offend anybody, Kenny? No, not at all. They laughed. But that story still being told. You didn't overthrow first, so you weren't anymore. You never did it again. But it not it interesting? Those words were never forgotten. I'm here today after all those years telling you that story. It was a word. Now, if you really want to know that word, I'll tell you after service because it could go a couple different directions. Ephesians chapter 4 Twenty-nine. Let's 
Let's, let's end with this today. I have a lot of information, but we'll pick up next week. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers? Verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Now, I'm going to stop there. How do you think you grieve the Holy Spirit of God? How do you and I grieve the Holy Spirit of God? By our words. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. Words.